You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since All right, everybody, welcome back to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Well, we are back, and uh, we hope you guys are doing well out there in podcast land. I got my good buddy, Will, with me. Will, how you doing? I'm doing marvelous, man. I'm marvelous. We got someone incredible joining us today, so I'm super excited. The caffeine's kicking in. Life is good. Yeah, you want to you wanna, you wanna do the introductions or you want me to do them? I, I don't care either uh, way. I it, mean, it'd be an honor to. I'd, oh, I'd go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I'll try not to ramble on too much because we've already left this gentleman in the wings, Hauser, in the far w- too long. In the wings, Hauser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you listen to our show every week for about, what would you say, like the past decade, Sammy? Yeah, yeah. I don't know when exactly we did the switch over, but yeah, this this individual has has been a part of not only our lives, but those of you who've been listening for the last decade, probably he's been a part of your lives every week. That's right. We like to think of him as the GGTMC's Ennio Morricone. Yes, there we go. Uh, he, is, <laughs> he is the composer of our theme. Uh, we were honored to have him compose that for us. We wanted something original that we could call ours, that we could whap. whap. Ooh, Ooh. We all know what that stands for. Uh, <laughs> wow. Lord. Yeah. We could wrap ourselves up in it like uh, like Ollie Reed in a fur coat and revolver and uh, <laughs> just roll with it every week. And we've been doing that. And uh, the man behind the music is Mr. Scott Burton. Scott, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's great to have you on the show finally, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Um yeah, composing that theme was was super fun, and and like I said, I I had been uh, listening to to you guys way before that, um, and so it was just an honor to even even be able to do that, um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's uh it's great to have you on here finally again. Like I said, for our listeners, uh, Scott has been a part of your life. <clears throat> He's been a part of our lives, like our good friend Alyssa. These people that started with us or been around almost since the beginning, and Scott's been around almost since the beginning. Um, 
he was a listener and we became friends and a lot of musical taste, a lot of similarities between there. But not only that, movie music taste. He's much more, you know, I, I went through a phase when I was more in, when I played music more. I don't play it as much as I used to, but where I would do things like he does and uh, which is uh, some of his stuff is very inspired by genre films. And I'm going to let him talk about that here in a minute and talk about himself here a little bit. But um, when we met Scott, I was, I was thinking, I just kind of give everybody kind of behind the scenes. I wanted to get away from using an opening that was, you know, not licensed with us anyway. And it was fun using Ennio Morricone for a while. And it was fun using Goblin for a while and things like that. But I wanted something that was uniquely us. And the, the first person that came to mind was Scott. And I just reached out to him on a lark and said, I don't know if you'd be interested or not. <laughs> and, you know, and it was just a favor and it came through in spades. I can still remember the first time I played, uh, the theme for somebody, I was at a whorehound. And if Todd still listens, Todd was there and, uh, me and Todd were talking and stuff and we were talking about the show. And I said, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I think we're going to go with an original intro. What do you think of that? And he's like, oh, well, that could be cool who's going to compose it? And he asked if I was going to, cause he knew I played music and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I reached out to Scott and who he kind of knew through the grapevine stuff of the GGTMC world. And he put a little something together, kind of a rough demo. And I played it for Todd right then and there. And he's like, dude, that's perfect. That's I, I can remember him saying that like it was yesterday. And, uh, then we ended up getting the finished version and everything else. And now it's been a part of our lives. It's such a part of my life that, like, I, you know, I'll whistle it while I'm working. Not not like a dwarf in a mine, for the record. Not like a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I, often I am sleepy and sometimes grumpy. But uh, I will. I'll be whistling it and stuff. And and it's it's become what I hoped it would become, which is synonymous with us. And so, in turn, Scott has become synonymous with us, which is, means, means a lot to me. So, it's, it's very cool. Thanks, yeah. So, I'm going to let Scott talk about himself a little bit. Uh, Will's got some questions, so I don't know if we want to let Scott kind of talk about what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. All right, um, go ahead. Yeah, <clears throat> it was it was uh, so much fun composing that. I so I guess like I've always had kind of hands in uh, movie, like just like I've always been interested in movies and music, and um, you know, so like when I when I was growing up, I was making a lot of short films, uh, but also always playing music in, in bands and stuff. And like, yeah, at a certain point, like out of this is out of college, I was playing a lot of um, like experimental jazz music mostly. And that's that's still kind of what I do. But, you know, I can I've, I've written music for a lot of other different situations. And like, yeah, I just like stumbled on this thing of like using genre films to inspire uh, my writing. And so a lot of times what I would do is like find a movie and I'd watch it and then I would like try to basically let that inspire the form of the song. And then uh, I would typically name the song after the movie that I watched. And so I, you know, I, I had this band uh, for a while called glows in the dark. And um, that that's the group that a lot, like that's actually the group that um, the beach of the war God stuff came from, but I don't know. So I saw, I saw that movie, I guess maybe we'll introduce that in a minute, but and I can talk about it more then, but, um, yeah, just like trying to blend those two interests. And, um, for you guys, I think I discovered the show because it was just like, there were movies you were talking about and this was like pretty, I mean, 
pretty early podcasting days, there was movies that you all were talking about that I just wasn't hearing anyone else talk about. And I think that's why I first started listening. Yeah. Because it was just genre stuff, yeah, that I was like, man, this, like, there's just no one else talking about this, you know? Um, and that led me down a lot of great paths. And a lot of, like, what ended up becoming the theme song, I remember it was like, I had to have some kind of a groove, some kind of, like, a Italian-type melody, but I had I'd gotten this new synth, and I was like, I need to make... I need it. There needs to be some kind of Indonesian like aerosol influence in here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so like I, I like added the synth and just like kind of this weird kind of dreamy synth sound. And so it was funny. It was like I was it was practice. It was a practical like I got to try to get all the, you know, all the GGTMC elements in here. Um, but then it was also like, uh, you know, I got to make it sound like a song, or, you know, I <laughs> It can't just be like a 20 minute synth pad or whatever. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I've just been playing, you know, playing music for years, uh, all sorts of gigs and just like writing for stuff. And, and being a part of this show has definitely, uh, helped with that just cause I've, I've worked a lot with, uh, Mike Malloy. Um, yes. I was going to ask you about that. Man. Yeah. If you could talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I, I totally, uh, met him through your show and it was just through uh, when he was working on Eurocrime um, and that I mean just honestly just finding out about um, those movies like those uh, Italian genre movies was eye opening because I was always I don't know like I'm uh, really into Hong Kong movies that, that like Hong Kong action movies are probably what brought me into genre films and seeing like like it seemed with when you guys introduced uh, everyone to like Indonesian cinema it's like like any movie where there's like action scenes that are like legitimately dangerous <laughs> like any <laughs> genre that has that and and the, the Italian movies um, I don't know that was that was amazing so the Italian connection I think I that was one of the first big ones for me and and I remember hearing your interview with Mike and I was like um, I don't know like he seemed like he was he was working on Eurocrime, but he wasn't quite done with it yet. And so I just reached out to him and I was like, you know, hey, do you, you know, want any music or is there, you know, I, you know, having I just was like, I'll never hear from him. And he got back really quick. And um, yeah, I did ended up doing some music for Eurocrime with with that band Glows in the Dark. And, um, you know, I've worked with him on and off since then. But yeah, it was totally through through your show that we that we met. Nice. Nice. That's, That's awesome. cool, man. That's very cool. Very, very cool. Well, you got any other questions, Will? Uh, I just wanted to talk about, just very briefly, because we haven't really said it yet, and it's sort of true GGTMC fashion. We haven't talked about, we're going to cover film as well, <laughs> but like I said, I wanted to give you flowers and just kind of talk about your creative stuff and your process. So just to give people a bit of an insight, you, there were some of the releases, as you know, being Eurocrime, Eurocrime fans on this show, uh, Seagulls Fly Low, uh, Convoy Busters, Nick the Sting, Violent City, and Special Magnum for Tony Ciotta, right? Uh, yes. Nice. Yeah, so those are all films that listeners of our show are probably pretty familiar with. So that's uh, that's super cool, man. Super yeah. cool. Um, what uh, Before we forget at the back end, what what is it you do? Like, How can people find you, reach you? Um, yeah, yeah. Touch with for creatively or just on a personal level. Yeah, so um, 
I mean, I think for like social media stuff, I mostly use Instagram and my, my handle on that is Scott Burton music and it's all one word. Um, and then also like you can find my music, uh, scottburton.bandcamp.com has a lot of my original stuff. And then I also have a site and this is actually, I started this site, um, when I started working with Mike, um, like recently for, for some of these Blu-ray supplements, uh, that site is stblibrary.bandcamp.com. Nice. And th- that has all of the stuff. So I, the, all the stuff I did for Mike for his recent um, Blu-ray extras is on an album there called Merly Anthems. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's where all the stuff – because yeah, he's been doing like some short – documentaries for like recent blu-ray releases um i mean really just the past few years mm-hmm. and that's all the music that i've done for him recently have been on those those supplements nice yeah, very they, cool they've been great i've seen some of those they're they're amazing yeah very cool hey just um just two one more quick question if i may it's kind of a two-parter you know we like to ask people that come on the show that haven't been on the show Kind of they're just to give people a snapshot. So give us, if you could, your five, just off the top of your head, we weren't going to hold you to this tomorrow, <laughs> five Desert Island films and <laughs> the bonus round, five Desert Island musicians that you're going to take with you to listen to. Oh, wow. All right. I'll, um, I'll see what I can do. So, um, yeah, I got to keep count. So for <laughs> films, um, I... I really like, um, let me think. Okay. So, um, man, the (laughs) thing that's, that's one of my favorites. All right. Um, I would say, um, breaking. Nice. Uh, that's, that's an all time, all time favorite. (laughs) Um, all right. What else do we got? I got to like, okay. So thing, Break in. Um, I would say Five Element Ninjas. Oh, okay. this is so GGTMC right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I promise. I'm not. I'm not trying to fit in. You know. No, it's just, <laughs> and, uh, you're one of us, man. Yeah. <laughs> Got the denim tunic on. There, bye. There it is. There it is. You know. Um, okay, so then I'm gonna say. Uh, gosh, I got two more. How about? Um, Man, <laughs> I'm gonna go a little a little out. So I'm gonna say, um, uh, my night at Mods, the yeah, Eric Eric Romer movie. I gotta oh, okay, some okay, in. yeah, yeah, okay. It's a good and choice. Then, good choice. I like that choice. Let me think. One more left. Um, I probably gotta go with. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna cheat and look at my letterbox. They do it. <laughs> no rule that says you can't. <laughs> yeah. It's there for um, us people who can't remember our list off the top of our heads anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just like you're just like you're just like hearing me slowly go insane. <laughs> Dude, that's yeah, that's us. Um Italian connection. I gotta go with it. I mean oh, that's yeah, yeah. that's such a great film. That is. Mm-hmm. That is. You can't go wrong there. It's Very a good nice. a solid five. I, I like that five. That is a fantastic five, but we're not letting you off the hook because we need your musical Desert Island jams now. <laughs> okay, so I think Hopefully this will be a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I gotta say, so so um, musicians. Um, 
I mean, I definitely come from a lot of like jazz and improvisational music. So I'm going to say uh, Sonny Rollins. Okay. Um, All right. Anthony Braxton. Hmm. Um, okay. So MF Doom. Oh, Reed. nice. Nice. Um, and we got two more. I'm going to say uh, Jim Hall. He's a great guitar player. Hmm. And then got to say Ennio Morricone. Yeah. Nice. Very good, man. Very nice. good. Li- again, diverse. Yeah. And, and, and if any of y'all are familiar with Scott's music at all, you, you hear those five names and I can see where a lot of influence comes from. I can see it. I can hear it. That's very That's cool. Sweet. It's very cool. Nice. The MF doom throw in there. That, that one kind of threw yeah, me a little bit, but that, I like, man. yeah, I, I do yeah. Too. Oh, he's, he's a favorite. I like, so I have this one album with uh, with Glows in the Dark that I it's actually the last album that I put together with them, and I I uh, was became friends with this uh, producer named Gennaro Jarrell, mm-hmm. who I've done a bunch of work with, and he's um, he did an album with Doom called JJ Doom. Um, this was actually I think around the time I wrote the theme for the show, but um, so I put together this album. If you look at uh, my band is uh, old band is glows in the dark. So that all that stuff is at glows in the dark dot But we have an album uh, called research and development. And I was able to like hook up not with MF doom, but with a bunch of people that like uh, have performed with him and like had been on his albums. Mm-hmm. And um, that was crazy. So yeah, I've just been obsessed with doom. I like, I don't know for a really long time. Like I, I was really big into his beat tapes. I before I even knew that he was like rapped at all. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. when I heard heard him rap, I was like, oh man, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's definitely a rabbit hole. I mean, just like genre film, the the MF Doom rabbit hole goes deep, and I I definitely went down it. Yeah, interesting cat, MF Doom. Uh, oh, absolutely, cult musician, genius, arguably, just very interesting guy. Unfortunately, oh, not with us anymore, uh, but, you know. Sadly, yep. sadly. It's, uh, I'll tell you, one of the things I'm proudest of as a parent is both my kids are into Doom. And oh, I'm, that's great. I'm doing it right, man. Last year, we got our, our youngest uh, a pretty cool Doom sweatshirt. It's yeah. kind of like that Warhol painting, like with the faces, like the different kind of <laughs> colors. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's just a mask. So it's like mask, 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 mask. So yeah, no, I feel like I'm doing it right when the kids uh, are into like De La Soul and Doom and, you know, William proclaimed Nas was like his favorite MC last night. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's good, man. They're yeah, but that's cool, man. Uh, yeah, very cool. I, I can't say I'm familiar with that guitarist that you mentioned. I think fourth was it Howell? The Jim? Uh, oh, Jim Jim Hall. Jim Hall. Yeah, he's great. If you check out, um, if you check out, uh, Sonny Rollins has an album called The Bridge. And yep. uh, Jim Hall's a guitar player on that. I like Sonny Rollins, so I'm definitely gonna uh, gonna dive in here, man. Nice. Yeah, the bridge is is that's like the Sonny Rollins album to check out. That's one of my favorite ones. All right, that's that's gonna go on spot. That's gonna get like uh, listened to on the drive tomorrow, I think, man. There we go. There we oh, go. Hell yeah! All right, so we're gonna talk about the film that Scott has chosen to come on and talk about, and it's <laughs> one he's written a piece about as well. <laughs> Uh, this film is called Beach of the War Gods from 1973, the glorious year of 1973, the year of my birth. And uh, this is directed and stars and is written 
by one Jimmy Wang Yu. So Jimmy Wang Yu coming back on the show. This is kind of the stuff that he was kind of more known for this. And, you know, uh, I mean, I think in the States he really got known for his one arm stuff. But here, uh, this is kind of what uh, some of the big box office stuff he was doing was mostly sword play stuff. And uh, this is kind of in that genre. Uh, this was in the States. I believe it was also known as Blood of the Dragon in the States or something like that. I thought maybe I'd seen it, but I had seen another film called Blood Dragon. <laughs> so so I had never actually seen Beach of the War Gods, oddly. And I, I'm not sure, but maybe Jimmy Wang, he was in Blood. Yeah, I think maybe he might have been in Blood Dragon as well. I don't know. Uh, there's so many of those. When they, when they brought these films over to the States, they... You know, if something made a little bit of coin, they're like, well, that Blood of the Dragon made money. Well, this, our movie's going to be called Blood Dragon. And then yep. Blood Dragon made a little bit of money. They're like, okay, this one's called Dragon Blood. You know, Exactly. It's like cop or like kick or you yeah. know, blood. There's certain words. You can put them in like a name generator and, and come yeah. up with a cool we need We need to make a movie called Kick Cop. There we go. Yeah. Kick Cop. Or cop. <laughs> I would watch Kick Cop. Yeah. Or Cop, or cop Kick. Yeah. Kick. <laughs> kick Cop and the sequel, Cop Kick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of my favorite movies, uh, this is just random, or maybe movie titles, is another Jimmy Wang Yu movie that he did uh, <laughs> called Double Double Crosser. Yeah. Double Crosser. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. That's cool. Got, yeah. I haven't seen that one either yet. I got to say, I haven't seen that either. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> wait. Tight- sorry. Well, I, we, we've talked about Wang Yu before. Uh, he's been on the show a couple times, a man from Hong Kong, uh, Chinese boxer. Uh, I feel like there was one other one, but that might be it. This, those, those two, uh, you, you troublesome personality, bit of a tough guy in real life, real hard ass from what I understand. And, uh, definitely has a history and whatnot. And some people like him and some people do, do not, um, but his contributions, he's like, isn't he like the Jerry Lewis of like Hong Kong film in a way of Hong Kong action film? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know Jerry Lewis, but yeah, sort of, I mean, so what I will always appreciate about him, and of course, and I love one arm boxer and one arm swordsman and all that kind of stuff, but being the director and, um, and whatnot of arguably one of my five favorite Kung Fu films of all time. And that's master of the flying guillotine. That's, that's one of my favorites. One of my personal that favorites. So good. Yeah. And, uh, I know, I know for the record, it's not one of the great Sometimes it looked upon uh, uh, martial arts films, but for me, it hit at the right time. It's got a ridiculous weapon in it. It's a ridiculous movie with ridiculous special effects and ridiculous ideas, and I love it for what it is. And uh, it's it's been uh, it's been a huge part. And actually, I owe Master of the Flying Guillotine in some ways to getting into podcasting because I was Google searching, and that's how I found uh, Cinema Diabolica. I think. As the review of Master of the Flying Guillotine, and that kick started a lot of things, right? So there you go. Kick punched a lot of things. Yeah, that cop kicked. I think a few things into yeah, a few things into existence, to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we're going to be talking about. But before we get into that, uh, Will and I probably well, you might have some more stuff you've watched. I I do not have anything. I've uh, I cleared my list when we talked. For the show next week, which is a weird thing to say out loud. <laughs> I feel like I'm time traveling, but uh, I don't have anything to talk about this week. But if you got some stuff, and obviously Scott, uh, if you got some stuff you want to talk about outside of the film we're reviewing, please uh, defer to Scott first and let him go. Let's do it. What have you seen? Anything good lately you want to uh, rep for on the show here? 
Um, yeah, let me take a look. I, so I've, uh, you know, I have, I have uh, two small kids. So, um, you know, the, the movie marathon days are they come? <laughs> they don't happen as often as they used to, for sure. Oh. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the two that I saw pretty recently, um, I saw uh, Underwater, the uh, 2020 movie uh, with uh, K-Stu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw that not too long ago this year, actually, and I quite liked it, too. And I think Will's seen it as well. Yeah, I really liked it. It yeah. was it was fun. I just It was one of those movies that I remember when it came out and I just heard, you know, like, it kind of just came and went. Because I think it was, like, right maybe before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and then I just uh, – recently I've been hearing people talk about how good it is. So we uh, watched it with the wife and it was great. We, yeah. we had a great time with it. Yeah, it's a good one. Um and then uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes. Um, I was able to see that in the theaters a couple weeks ago. And that, yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is incredible. Um, and that's, I think that's pretty much it. You know, besides, I mean, you know, they're just like, these viewings are just like weeks and months apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. Man, I'm looking through Jimmy Wang Yu's filmography and I'm th- sitting there thinking, I need to see this movie because I've never seen it. Has anybody seen The Beheaded 1000? I have not. There's a lot of his stuff. I've only seen maybe ten of his films. An execution, I, an executioner beheads his one thousandth criminal and unleashes a demon army headed by an evil witch called the Blood Lotus. <laughs> That's I, so. I do. I have seen that one. Um, nice. This was like in. I got a copy of it. I think like the late nineties. And I had no idea. So, like, I watched it. I got it because it was called The Beheaded 1000, of sure, course. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, that title. Um, yeah. And I had I, I want to rewatch it because I only – I watched it a few times in the 90s just on my VHS bootleg because um, I got really into tape trading. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. It, around that time. And um, I had no idea that that was Jimmy Wang Yu. Like, that was before – that was probably the first – Jimmy Wang you movie I saw but I had I just didn't know who he was I was mm-hmm. mostly like I got that movie just because of the title you know <laughs> right 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 but yeah I remember liking it yeah I didn't I'll just be honest with people I didn't really know who Wang Yu was until I saw man from Hong Kong and then I went back I didn't know I mean for me martial arts cinema kind of starts and begins with you know Loli and uh, Bruce Lee and and people like that, and uh, Gordon Liu, and people like that. Wang Yu just kind of—he was kind of the, the the beginning of a lot of that stuff. But unfortunately, yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't know about him much. And a lot of his stuff wasn't really as readily available either. Now it's becoming more and more available all the time. So that's it's, good. It's nice to see him get a lot of recognition for a lot of his directorial stuff too lately. Because as much as yeah, he he is a you know bit of an interesting troublesome guy in some ways what he did behind the camera was really cool and it was very different from what a lot of other hong kong filmmakers are doing because uh sort of like Choi hawk he's a guy that wore a lot of really cool western influences on his sleeves creatively as a director mm-hmm. which i've always appreciated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely so, Will, what do you got? You got some more stuff you want to talk about? Uh, maybe just a couple quick, and then we're going to get into a very cool beach set jam. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have I got here? Wow. Still bumping through the uh, 
Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to navigate through that. Okay, so um, I got a couple things. I watched, uh, I'll save some of it. I'll watch, I'll talk about a couple here quickly that I thought were interesting, uh, maybe topical. Uh, decided to rewatch The Getaway. Steve McQueen, Ali McGraw. Oh, and yeah, the great, yeah. greasy, sweaty, <laughs> alitary. Yeah. <laughs> man. Yeah. <laughs> Johnson, but uh, I had the TV to myself, and I just—I don't know, man. I've had a hankering to rewatch this ever since I read uh, Tarantino's book uh, around this time last year, or like just after Christmas last year. And uh, it holds up, man. It's—it's it's, you know, it's a great vehicle. I—I I, kind of teeter between understanding what people saw in Ali McGraw and not understanding what people saw in her. It's kind of a weird thing. Uh, but my big takeaway from this. Is something I knew but was just reinforced and deepened is how great a gross, sweaty, <laughs> unrepentantly vile Aletieri performance can be enjoyable. Like it just there's a scene in this and I posted it on Instagram, man, where he's he he is so gross in this film. <laughs> and he, uh, he they get a bucket of ribs and he's in this shitty, this little sleazy little motel room with Sally Struthers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they do like this really gross <laughs> lady in the tramp thing where they're both sucking on different ends of the rib bone yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, I obviously didn't remember that, you know, but now thinking about that film, I can't help but think about that. So yeah. 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 yeah it was a good rewatch. Yeah. He, uh, short life out late Lettieri, but, uh, a memorable character actor. Very memorable. Oh man, he's been on our show a few times, and yeah, I love him. He's one of those guys like the the Paul Coslos and you know the Richard Lynches, all these guys. Like he's he's a Hall of Fame heavy, right? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Mr. Majestic. Yeah, that's what he was in the we did. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You gonna eat it's, that? Uh, you gonna eat that sausage? That's one that that's the famous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, man. And I think you know what was cool was I think. Um, I thought maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm mixing it up here. I thought the the film was scored by Quincy Jones, but I think I'm wrong. Hmm. I'm wrong. Anyway, doesn't really matter. Otherwise, I'll just talk about one more I watched this week. I wanted to watch. I didn't think it was going to plumb the depths and be anything profound, um, but it was it was solid, and it was it wasn't the documentary I thought I'd see this year or see get made, and that was the Millie Vanilli documentary. Oh. So you two as musicians. I don't know if you had a chance to see this. I thought of you a lot when I was watching this, Sammy, because of kind of your clear-eyed look at the the business side mm. of sort of image and the absurdity of the um, of celebrity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So I think this was a good document. I re- I enjoyed it, and I didn't think I was going to see this or or see. Or here, ironically, the voice, uh, you know, uh, have someone have a, a speak to this phenomenon. And it was, I enjoyed it. It was, it was, a, it was a good watch. Yeah. That's an interesting uh, look behind the curtain at the music industry. Definitely. It definitely is. I didn't and, see that you know, documentary. I saw another one years ago, but I can't remember what it was called. But definitely an interesting peek behind, you know, pop music and, you know, image uh, tied to music and what that can generate and whatnot. So, well, even Clive Davis, uh, doesn't come out unscathed from this one. It's yeah. Well, I mean, they're, 
you know, they're selling a product. Yep. And, uh, you know, if they got songs they like and they got two faces, I mean, it goes against artistic integrity, but at the same time, you know, you're selling a popular product. I understand why it happens. Uh, some would argue it still happens in some ways, but it, it yes. there's totally there's does. obviously you know songwriters and Scott can not that we're going to go to him and say Scott knows everything about this, but we would you know the, in the world of writing music, there is a lot of people, a lot of really talented songwriters and musicians out there that never make it, never. I mean, never I, yeah, I'd say there's, I mean, if you pursue that as a life. I'd say 90% of those people, maybe even more, never quote unquote make it, at least our version of make it. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty tough out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, if you get lucky and you, you write a song and it ties it to somebody, I got a friend who writes country music. I'm not a country music writer myself, but I got a friend that writes it and he's been trying to get some Nashville star to lap onto one of his songs at some point hoping that it'll be a hit, you know, because obviously it's a game changer, but it happens quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, that's the the everything about it is just really hard and mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, I've definitely like I've I've been lucky enough to uh play collaborate with people that have have done done quite a bit in that world. I mean, uh in Glows in the Dark, my friend Reggie, who's the uh, trombone player, um he was actually a- around this I think when I wrote the theme, he had uh, he was able to tour with the band Bonnie Vare. Um, oh wow! And he since he actually is on the new Ed Sheeran record. Yeah, um, wow! Nice. And uh, has done a bunch of stuff. And like so, yeah, I've definitely gotten a peek inside the world a little bit. I mean, everyone kind of does it differently, but it's definitely uh, yeah, just the mixture of um, yeah, art and commerce. It's it's difficult and. The people that that uh, like those types of people, like um, you know Bonnie Vare and stuff. I mean, that's more like they can do what they want, and then there's like a team that kind of figures out what to do with it, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Versus mm-hmm. versus like the other way where it's like kind of not related products that are put together, you know. Like I don't know, it's 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 a crazy business for sure. It is. It is. It- is uh, that, that was the interesting thing for me as as a guy now who's in my mid forties, the humanity at the center of that um, quote unquote controversy, just seeing these these young guys chewed up and and get exploited heavily. And it's funny I didn't realize this. the The guy behind it all, the producer, comes out smelling like roses. Did the same thing with uh, with um, Boney M. Yeah, same thing, man. And it was, you know, anyway. And nobody, I, I, nobody made a big deal about it. It's, it's also, oh, it's also got free. Everyone else was humiliated, shamed. It was, uh, you know, yeah. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's, there's, it's interesting. there was a brief period where I, I think about this a lot with them because it's like not weird at all for artists to lip sync. And especially now, yeah, not yeah. At all. you know, yeah. and it's like, it's so funny that that there was this brief period where like all of a sudden everyone, <laughs> everyone had to be like, you need, like when I see you in person, I better be hearing your voice through <laughs> yeah, that live. microphone and that giant stereo system. You know, it's like yeah. there's levels of it's just yeah, it's pretty silly. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty silly. Is. And in in hindsight, it's definitely silly. But yeah, there's lip syncing all the time in uh, professional, especially pop music, because a lot of times there's dancing involved and things like that. And 
you know, uh, I don't know if any of you guys, I mean, I know Will does on the weekends, but if you have dance routines with your performances, um, Weekdays. yeah, you know, you can, you got, you got to be in good shape because you know, you can, you can get winded pretty easy. So, oh yeah. Also, let me rep for go back to the Lettieri thing. Let me rep for the the three. He made three films in Italy toward the end of his life, and uh, all three are fun: Flatfoot in Hong Kong, Vi Gorilla, and Bordella. And uh, yeah, check out any, any of those three. Of course, Vi Gorilla is Fabio Testi. That's a that's a I think it's a Valeri film, maybe. Mm, yeah, listen, we've meant to cover that film on this show since day one. We got to get to it. Yeah, we got to get to that one. And then uh, we, we, I can remember talking about that one at the dinner table at your in-laws' house. Yeah, man. And and then of course, Flatfoot in Hong Kong is uh, that's a uh, cinematic god, Bud Spencer. So, Bud Spencer versus Al Lettieri. Let's just go there. Okay. Good lord. That's <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Uh, dream. That also stars an actor in it known as Degolo. I have no idea what that name means, but maybe we'll go back and look at that at some point. You know, Sam, you know what this clock on my wall means, right? Uh, <laughs> no, I have no idea. What does it mean? <laughs> it means it's time for this or that. Now I got to find the button. Hang on. I hope Scott can hear it. Ooh, man. If you guys ever need to hire me for any producing, I mean, I do produce Will's dance moves on the weekdays. But if you guys need to hire me for any producing when it comes to sound bits, uh, hire somebody else. Because obviously I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but if you need some good, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Will did the choreography for uh, Oops, I Did It Again, the Britney Spears video. A lot of people don't know that. Well, well he's kind of kept it hush hush for many years. Yeah. Chasing that Disney paper, son. <laughs> yeah. That uh that rubber suit paper. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go ahead, right. Will. This is uh Will's baby. Scott, he's gonna he's gonna torture you now. If you've been listening lately, obviously, <laughs> you know, these this or that, so they start out as fun and then sooner or later he'll punch you in the gut. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. You go ahead, Scott. You go ahead. Oh no, no. I I, uh, I have been listening and they uh you know, I'm I'm really stressed out right now. <laughs> yeah. in, we're just we're gonna we're gonna slowly ease into it. In the great, in, in the great words on the middle. In the great words of Eminem, one of my son's favorite rappers, you know, palms are sweaty, mom spaghetti is how yeah. we're going here. So, <laughs> right, man. Well, speaking that's, of spaghetti, we're gonna a, go with the food one just to ease into it. Funyuns or corn puffs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was just thinking about this before we uh, started recording. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, why wouldn't you be yeah. thinking of funyuns or corn not, puffs? I'm never not thinking about <laughs> funyuns. <laughs> wow. I mean, the problem I have with this one is one is definitely an afternoon. The other one's definitely a morning, right? Right. I guess it depends on your afternoons and mornings. I guess it does. <laughs> I got to get into this Britney Spears choreography world. Yeah, man. Clearly, you're having more fun than I am. Corn puffs and <laughs> more funyuns. Fun at least. <laughs> yeah, more fun. Yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. Dad joke. Boom. <laughs> yeah. 
What do you got, Scott? You got you got an answer here? You, I gotta you're... say, I, I gotta say, corn puffs. Okay, yeah, yeah. Corn puffs. I mean, I um, I I have in the past appreciated the Funyun, um, but I just haven't. Uh, it's been a while since I visited that world. You know the <laughs> the Funyun world. But yeah. I like a corn puff. It's been a while since I visited the Funyun world too. But I gotta say, I did revisit the Funyun world. Uh, about a year ago, they put out a hot Funyun. Oh my god! Yeah, and it was uh, pretty tasty. I don't know if they got these in the Great White North yet, but there's some there's some spicy Funyuns out there. Gotta warn you a little bit, a little bit of a little bit of an issue on the back end of the spicy Funyun, but uh, you know the digestibles is uh, you know it'll 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 remind you that you ate a spicy Funyun. I'll tell you that. Came up like peanut oil, did it? Oh yeah, man. Woo. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, they were good for the record. Uh, we got a friend. I'm not going to mention who it is, but he's listening. We got a friend that really loves Funyuns. Uh, I would tell you off the air, but uh, I won't. I won't tell you on the air. But I mean, like that's his chip of choice. Like I mean, really? you know, yeah. Like some people have a chip of choice, and that is his chip of choice. Funyuns. Funyuns are the chip of choice. Wow. I do like Funyuns though. In time, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go corn pops too. You know what? I have. I haven't had corn pops in so long. I'm now. So I'm really thinking about getting some corn pops today. I need some. I need some corn pops in my life. Um, you eat corn pops dry as a snack? Is that what you do? Hang on, hang on. Now we're talking about the corn puffs, or like the puff corn. Oh, puff corn, corn. I thought you were talking about corn. Okay, I'm, I got like Sorry, snack. I got American you on you. I got American like on you. But they're like the corn based one. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Then I'm going Funyun. I'm going back Funyun. Oh, a pivot, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that a pivot. That was it was a puffy pivot, a puffy pivot back to the Funyun. Yeah, whoa! <laughs> All right, Scott, you're holding. <laughs> yeah, oh he, yes, yeah, he's holding. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Funyun as well, especially at the promise of a spicy Funyun. Oh yeah, I think that's too good to pass up. I used to indulge in a lot more Funyuns and pork rinds than I do at this point in my life. Mm. Mm. I do look back on them fondly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pork um, rinds, pork rinds are fun, but every now and then you hit that pork rind where you wonder if you lost a tooth or not. Yeah, man, the hard one, the hard pork rind in the bag. Yeah, and you and they're, they're they're hard to decipher. Oh. Let me get in. Let me give you guys a pro tip here. There's no deciphering of the hard to soft uh, uh, pork rind except weight. So if you well, pick if you pick up a small yeah if you pick up a small one and it's a little heavier than the big ones, be warned. It's probably a little extra crunchy. You might as well try to break a jawbreaker on the first bite. That's right, right. And uh, if you're not paying attention, I think pork rinds are definitely a chip you have to visually eat as well as actually eat. Um, yeah. Scott didn't know Nav- he, was, he didn't he didn't know he was stepping into this this morning. But this is what Nav- this is the kind of conversations we have. Uh, yeah, pro tip on the uh, pork rinds: be careful there. No, I I I get it. I mean, I'm I'm right there. Like I've <laughs> I don't eat as many pork rinds as I used to, but yeah. definitely. Um, you, I, when you say you have to visually eat it, that's that's very good advice because yeah. you never know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, very good advice. Trust me, I know from experience. I know from experience. Wow, yeah, cracked a tooth or two in my day. Oh man, mm. it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Yeah, that's right. Um, better <laughs> Brit film score. Roy Budd's Get Carter or Francis Monkman's Long Good Friday. <laughs> I know where I stand on this one. 
pretty easy for me. But, I think I'm going to say get Carter. Yeah. Sammy. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. That theme is Man. as good it's a really theme good. as, yeah, as you could come up with. Wasn't Quincy, it is. wasn't Quincy Jones involved in that somehow? I can't remember. Right. No, maybe not. Maybe that was something else I was thinking about. You said Quincy so, Jones earlier, and it had me thinking about Quincy Jones. So he did a lot of cool scores, man, in the sixties and seventies. Uh, I will never dispute, with all due respect to Monkman, that Bud's <laughs> body of work overall is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I probably wouldn't dispute that Get Carter is a better theme. Mm-hmm. But that synth sax combo that I get with Long Good Friday. Yeah, it's not bad. It's very good. That's that's true. That, that hits uh, hits the spot for me. So I got to go with that that Long Good Friday score, man. Even though that Get Carter one's so good. Yeah, so good. yeah. It's kind of for me that theme is almost synonymous with Michael Caine. <laughs> um, like when I see him, I think of that theme. Even when he's in like uh, freaking Batman, I'm thinking of the 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 Get Carter theme. What is that? A cello at the beginning? Is it a cello? I, I, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to listen to it. I'm not going to do that live, but I would have to listen to it to decipher. Yeah, uh, Sam, I'm not sure. I, it might be, but yeah. No, it's, it's a large stringed I'd, instrument. I'd hate to, yeah, I'd hate to say cello and then it end up being a, you know, oboe. And then uh, <laughs> I totally would, uh, you know, lose my cred in the O named uh, musical instrument world. Stringed instrument realm. Man, and you get so many emails. Yeah, that the heat. That, that'd be yeah the heat. The uh, I'd be I'd be canceled. I'd be canceled. You'd be looking. It'd be like you looking in that inbox. Would be like opening the oven door, man. Yeah, we'd lose listeners left and right. Like he said, oboe. Yep. He said oboe. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, I was playing this gig and um, it was uh, it was a wedding gig and. Uh, and it's funny too. Wedding gigs are funny because I mean, there's some amazing musicians. Like you, oh you, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of t- a lot of times you'll take those gigs and you're like playing with the band. You know what songs you're gonna play, but you've never played with the musicians. And um, everyone's just really good all the time, so they just know. And I remember there was a a guy there. We played um, "I'm a Believer," the Monkeys tune, yeah. and um, he was. Uh, you know he's he writes uh, he's a great guitar player, but he also writes great string arrangements. And I remember I I you know I just I knew him from before. And I remember he looked at that the sheet music for that, and he was just like, "That song's wrong." And I was like, <laughs> "Wait, what do you mean?" And he's like, and he wasn't talking about like the transcription of the sheet music. He meant like the song, you know, because I guess it does some like modulation in it that is like, you know, technically according to Western music, incorrect, you know? <laughs> and he just like was like, yeah, that song's wrong, man. <laughs> nice. And he pointed, he's like, see that part? Yeah, it's not right. Wow. And, and it, you know, and it, it was like he has a dry sense of humor, but it was also like he was also kind of serious, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. All right. Well, let's we're about to play it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. 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 I met guys like that a lot of times who uh, do that. I've never, I've never been able to read music, so um, I've never had that instance. But I definitely, I have a pretty good ear, and uh, but I meet guys all the time that have a way better ear than I do. And something I've played one way for a decade, they're like, uh, "Dude, you're playing that wrong." 
Like, no, I'm not, man. I st- I've, I've played this a thousand times. <laughs> and then they'll show me the one note I'm missing. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because one thing oh, about yeah, music, the- you can. there's a lot of little notes. And so sometimes you can miss a note, but you can still kind of work around that. And nobody would ever be able to tell the difference. But then you meet that one guy, that one person or lady who's like, yeah, you're missing notes in there, dude. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I like one other like just like really funny just brief stories. Uh, I was in this band and there was a, a drummer and a bass player and the drummer was um, like not like, you know, didn't go to music school, um, any of that. And then the bass player was like music school guy, you know, like he went and like he the whole thing. And the, and they got an argument one time at, at a practice and it was because the bass player he was just like like riding the drummer really hard, like just kind of like giving him a hard time. And he was like only communicating with like Italian music terminology. Like he was like, you know, like play it, play it pizzicato, like play it. And it was like the drummer just didn't know. And he was like, do you want me to play it softer or louder? And the bass player like just kept on getting more mad. Like, no, you play it pianissimo, pianissimo. Man. Play it pi-. and, the, and the drummer was like, I mean – what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was ridiculous. it was awkward. It was like just play it softer. Just like we can all just tell him he doesn't have to feel bad, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying to play music. Like, yeah, that's I hate that man dunking on dudes. Like, just yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, we're gonna talk about bass for a minute. It's all about the bass, and not the two live crew bass. <laughs> <laughs> Jackal Pistorius or Getty Lee? Oh Lord! So my son right now is doing a uh, Rush retrospective in his music class. So I've uh, been subjected to a ton of Rush lately. Um, and I've often said on the show and stuff, I'm not a big Rush guy. They just don't speak to me. I do like Rush, but I don't uh, love Rush. They just don't uh, speak to me for whatever reason. But I have come to, you know, in in doing this with my son and going through this, because I'm kind of his, uh, I would argue that I'm kind of his roadie in a way. <laughs> I, I kind of, you know, make sure his guitar stays in tune and all that stuff. You know, he's got the Floyd Tremello set up and everything, so he doesn't have to worry about it too much. But somehow, some way, he still finds a way. And I, I call that the whammy bar, the, uh, you know, the, that Tremello bar, that bar on there. He loves the Eddie Van Halen, that stuff to death. And uh, as, as kids do. And, uh, he, uh, you know, I, I've never pushed music on, you know, for the record, I've never pushed music on my son. He's just kind of naturally found it. And honestly, he's a better at his age. He's a better guitar player than I, I was. So he's going to be a better guitar player than me. Um, but, uh, so I'm going to, you know, normally I would go the other way and, but I'm going to go rush this time, believe it or not, because I've been subjected to a ton of rush lately and I've come to appreciate there's some fancy, really well-played bass in Rush songs that I never really appreciated before. And man, that, that, there's some intricate stuff there. Wow. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Musicianship is high there amongst that trio. Very high. That's what I'll say. It's still not my kind of music, to be honest with you. Not my kind of thing, but I do love working, man, though. I can play that on guitar. You pick up a guitar. I can, some people pick it up and play Stairway to Heaven. Or something like that. Me, I pick up a guitar. I can jam some Working Man really quick, right? In your face. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I got. Scott, what do you got? 
Either one. I, I'm going to say, well, so I definitely like went through a big time rush phase. Yeah. Um, Most musicians and, do. Uh, <laughs> I was in it. And of course it was a, a drummer uh, that, you know, was like, Hey, you guys got, you got to check out this band, you know? Um, and uh, so I, I was willing to rush for a while and there's definitely a lot of stuff that I'll still come back to every once in a while. Um, but I got to say Jacko, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's so good. He's, I mean, I think, yeah, Jacko, like word of mouth, um, his big man stuff and his, uh, he, he's got a lot of like, there's a lot of like bootleg, um, trio recordings like that he did in New York that are, I mean, just everything he's done is amazing. And all, all the work with like Joni Mitchell and Pat Metheny. Um, yeah. Gotta oh, yeah. go Jacko. He's a, he's a, that is a, I guess the word of Vanguard, a, um, uh, I, I don't know. I can't think there's certain bass players and certain people like that that come along that just kind of blow my mind. And he was, uh, he's one of them. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I wasn't really familiar with him until our good friend Morris sort of turned me on to him and the documentary about him. Oh yeah. Just yeah. absolutely fantastic and a great insight into him. So I would never pretend to be an expert in any mm-hmm. capacity, nor would I claim to be an expert on rush for that matter. <laughs> I also don't like Rush, and that might get my citizenship as a Canadian revoked. But I do, <laughs> yeah. have gotten older, really admire the technical proficiency. Forgetting the what he does, like when he's playing, but also the fact that he's singing at the same time. Like, oh yeah, yeah. But like the fact you can do both is pretty incredible. But I gotta go, Jacko. Just that's a very personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know if the fate of the world was resting on one's technical proficiency, which way it would go. But I, you know, I like Jack a little more. It moves the needle for me a little more. I don't think you can go wrong either way in a lot of ways, but, uh, no. again, Rush is definitely, I mean, so the, 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 the band, the guy that's doing this presentation of Rush for these kids and my son's in this thing called school rock. And it's essentially this franchise where they, you know, they, they teach kids music um, you can learn to read music or you can learn to go by ear. My son is gifted with the same ear that I have, so he can kind of play that way. So um, the guy that did this program, did the Rush program, uh, his my, one of my son's best friends is a drummer. And, of course, drummers love Rush. I mean, oh, if, of course do. if you ever meet a drummer, almost 99.9% of the time, Neil Peart's name is going to come up in like the first five names they mention. It's almost yep. always going to happen. So his best friend wanted to do the rush thing. And I told warn my son, I said, look, if you get into the rush thing, you're going to have some fun, but past the first couple albums, totally different band <laughs> and a band that did not care about, you know, commercial success. So, and he found that out the hard way. He really did. But luckily he avoided some of the tougher songs. So, but he did get working, man. And he plays it very well. I'll try to share some video of it sometime. Uh, if I get a yeah, chance. Cool. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I mean, I love any anything that can introduce introduce kids to like I don't know, just like like putting music in more of a context like that, like yeah. learning songs by this artist. Yeah. Um it's yeah, that's e- great. Even if you don't even if you don't appreciate that music or if you don't like that music, I should say, what my son has said is that he appreciates Rush now. Like, you know, and that's that's what that's what it's there for, right? That's that's and that's the way I've become listening to it with him in the car. 
uh, I never thought I'd be riding around listening to Rush. I got to be honest with you, but listening to it with him in the car, um, I've come to appreciate them quite a bit as well. So, yeah. All right. Well, this it's funny. Yeah. I'll just say one quick thing. It's funny just listening to some stuff sometimes and separating yourself from sort of the oversaturation of it and just trying to look at it at arm's length from a technical or, or creative standpoint uh, is sometimes enlightening. I've done that even with pop songs where I've kind of just oh, yeah. put a step away from how much I've listened to it and thought, wow, oh, this is a really well-crafted yeah. oh, piece man. of music. But When I was a kid, my mom, my grandmother, and my mom and dad, well, my mom, my grandmother, my mom loved Kenny Rogers. I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> but as I've gotten older, of course, he didn't write a lot of stuff, but he wrote some stuff. I've come to appreciate some of that stuff more. And some of the other stuff my grandmother liked, like Wayne Newton. And my grandmother had really weird tastes. She liked Wayne Newton, Elvis, and Alice Cooper, <laughs> which, you know, is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy and Trinity. A, <laughs> yeah, the Holy Trinity right there. Yeah. While she's eating Funyuns, of all things. <laughs> For me, man. Uh, I'll just do two more quick. We'll go on this all day. So this is strictly from their film score perspective. Never mind anything else they've done or produced or created. Better film composer body of work, Quincy Jones or Herbie Hancock? (laughs) (laughs) And if you need to take a minute to look, because I'd forgotten some of the stuff they'd scored, man. They've both scored some really cool stuff. Mm, Yeah, they have. Mm, quick search. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing happening here. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I can vamp if you guys want. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, give us yours. So what are you going to go with? Yeah. Yeah. So I love both, you know, Quincy Jones has been in my life and I've been aware of Quincy Jones from a really young age. Actually, yeah. both these guys have been in my life since I was about five, six years old. Yeah. Quincy, because of his production on thriller, um, and Herbie Hancock, because as a five-year-old, and I've said this in the show before, his video Rocket terrified me. It was the <laughs> purest nightmare fuel I ever had. Just the stark lighting, these weird angles of these mannequins flapping their legs. and Oh, yeah. It's, a weird, it's, it's still a weird video. No. It's so weird. Yeah, context is so funny. I had the same reaction when I first saw that. I was just like... What is this? And and there's there's no words and there's this like mannequin legs like <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I know and it was just it terrified me for so long, man. It's uh and I look at it, it's yeah, it's weird, but it's it's funny, they've both been my life for so long and I admire now looking at that now, Herbie Hancock, a guy who was always kind of ahead of the curve creatively, experimenting with uh, a lot of stuff that that you know, as a musician, he wouldn't have right, like a lot of synth and like drum machines and things and stuff that um, early in his career would he wouldn't have used. But to answer the question, um, I think I think I really don't know, but <laughs> I'm gonna go. It's funny he worked with Quincy. Quincy worked with uh, Cindy Lumet a few times too. Very cool. I'm gonna go with Herbie. On this one, and I don't think this is again. There's no wrong answers here, but uh, if you can go from Action Jackson to Blow Up to hmm. Death Wish, yeah, Blow Up. To, uh, a lot of people don't happened. pay attention to that. Blow Up was the first one, right? That was his first credit, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, you know Quincy's a little deeper. If we're going to use like sort of a basketball metaphor, like you know Quincy's roster's deeper, hmm. but Herbie's got some killer in there. 
I got my answer. Scott, do you want to go or you uh, want me to go? Um, I, uh, I'll go. I'll okay. go. I, right. I'm, I think I'm going to say Herbie too. Um, I mean, Quincy Jones, like, I don't know. I think, I think Herbie brings, he's like more of a, like musician, like performer. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and just like writes incredible grooves and like his music for fat Albert. Yeah. And, I mean, it's so good. Like, um, and he was also doing, he did a bunch of like, like a lot of his songs, he would like take parts of them and use them for commercial jingles. So he's done like a lot of commercials. Um, uh, but it's like, you know, it always sounds like Herbie and Quincy's thing is cool. Cause it's like so much about the way like voices are combined, like different instruments that you wouldn't necessarily think would go together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Herbie just some of the grooves. Yeah. Herbie Hancock. I got to go Herbie Hancock. Nice. Nice. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong either way here, but I am going to go. I love Herbie Hancock and I love rocket. I love the video. I love that song. I love everything about it, but, uh, it's a very big part of my life, but I'm going to go Quincy Jones on this one. Mostly because of a few things, stuff like in the heat of the night and cold blood, those things. Um, but you know, a big part of the seventies for me was Quincy, right? And you know, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice and out of towners, stuff like that. Yeah. Mr. Tibbs, they call me Mr. Tibbs, the Anderson tapes. Yeah. All that stuff. But even the new centurions and the getaway, which you just watched. Right. So that's what inspired the, uh, the question. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Or even the color purple, which I think was the last thing he really kind of did. I think he may have won the Oscar for that. Or no, no, he did. He composed "Get Rich or Die Trying," the uh, wow, <laughs> the uh, Jim Sheridan uh, Fifty Cent movie or whatever it was, which I never saw. Some people said it was actually pretty good. I never saw it. I did. I've never been a Fifty Cent fan. Don't like Fifty? <laughs> not not, <laughs> not my guy. Not your guy. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. I mean, I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fit. I'm, I'm not a Fifty guy either, but. Uh, it's fun for me to get to say Fitty on the show. Fitty. <laughs> Fitty. Uh, cop kick. Yeah, cop kick. Cop yeah. kick. <laughs> that's what I want to star in my cop kick film, Fitty. This is cop the kick. kick. puncher. <laughs> 50 Cent is the kick puncher. Yeah, but kick also because Quincy, evidently there's a TV movie out there, a 23-minute TV movie directed by William Freakin, the Quincy, 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 Quincy <laughs> of cop kick fame. Uh, in pity, uh, there's a f- short film out there I've never seen. It's called The Pickle Brothers. I gotta see this, man. <laughs> and it's called The Pickle Brothers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Evidently, they were an act or something, but they're called The Pickle Brothers. And William Freakin directed it, and Quincy Jones scored it. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> something you learn something every day. <laughs> wow. All right. Is that it? Are we uh, are we moving on? Are we the Pickle Brothers? Okay, here final, we go. We should have left the final one. Uh, <laughs> I got to ask both of you. I think both of you will appreciate this. Better Gene Simmons turn. <laughs> Unaway or Wanted Dead or Alive? Oh. <laughs> Man. Couldn't this... go with Never Too Young because it had to be. Well, that, never, never right? too, well Never Too Young yeah, is the most over-the-top one. That one's the... Yeah the most fun because it's just like, what? Yeah. What are you guys doing? Who let Gene Simmons loose? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one's tough. 
Uh, it's tougher than you think. Um, you know, uh, Todd and I did run away, I think, uh, be a couple years ago. And, uh, I really came to appreciate that film more, uh, on a rewatch. It's really good. And, uh, I love wanted dead or alive. I really do. And I love Gene Simmons in that film, but I think I'm gonna go runway because I, I like, you know, you think you had a Ramsey? You think you could get me Ramsey? <laughs> you know, I had to, you know, I, I, I love, uh, I love that. <laughs> it just, just, he's so much fun in that. He's kind of gleefully bad, but he had that fun little run in the eighties of playing bad guys, didn't he? He really did. I really should have stuck with that because uh, I really think he was good at it because he has a look, you know, he's, he, uh, nobody quite looks like Gene Simmons. Of course, the whole time you're watching him, you're thinking that's Gene Simmons, but at the same time, that, that's, what's kind of the fun about it. I think, wow, there we go. <laughs> In Simmons fans, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> clearly. Deep. <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys, Scott? What do you think? I'm going to go run away. Um, all. I gotta say, let's see. Hmm. It's been it's been a, like a long time since I've seen seen those films. Um, but I think I gotta say, Wanted, Dead or Alive. Nice. You can't go wrong. I don't. I don't really have. Yeah. There's no nothing really deep. I mean, you know, Gene Simmons. My my son is uh, my five year old oldest is really. Uh, he's been getting into Kiss a lot lately. Awesome. And um, yeah, he's. Uh, I haven't even shown. You know. He he's literally seen them, like heard their music and seen them in Scooby Doo because you know they're like in <laughs> yeah in some of those movies. Um, I don't even know what he would do if he saw Gene Simmons like in one of these movies. You know, like what? That's the <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. But yeah, I gotta say, Wanted Dead or Alive. Nice. I'm also gonna go Wanted Dead or Alive, but I think you know I love both, but I haven't seen Truth Be Told. I haven't seen Runaway in a while. I wanted to play along with you and Todd, and you guys covered it. Yeah, yeah, you I gotta get a chance. You guys gotta rewatch that one. You get a chance. It's yeah, really, yeah, really yeah, good. No doubt, man. Really good. Selick, who you know should have been bigger. Yeah, right? yeah. Should have been. Yeah. I know he's iconic for for Magnum, but he should have been bigger, man. Because that the charisma, that movie, the outside of the technology in the movie, it's aged incredibly well, and it's very well made. I was really surprised when we reviewed it. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it on rewatch. Nice. Very well done. All right, is that it for this or that? No more pain. No more pain, Pickle Brother. No more pain from the Pickle Brothers. The pickles. <laughs> we're gonna take a short break, and we're gonna come back and talk about uh, Beach of the War Gods. It's fun to say. We'll be back right after this.
everybody. Welcome back. So we are going to talk about a film that Scott chose. And it's always fun when somebody introduces us to something. And, you know, no matter, people always say to me, and I'm sure Will gets this, and maybe even Scott gets it and stuff, from definitely from some of your friends, anybody will get this if you love movies, but they'll be like, I've never even heard of that film. And uh, I had heard of this, but I never, I never put two and two together that Jimmy Wang Yu uh, directed, starred, and wrote in it. I never put that in there, but I had heard the title before, thinking that's an interesting title for a martial arts film, but never looked into it any further than that. So here we go. Beach of the War Gods, also known as Zanshintan. Zanshintan. Maybe? Maybe. Also known as Blood Blood of the Dragon in the States. Um, the famous swordsman, was it, uh, how do you say that word? Shefang? Shefang, maybe? Saifang? Yeah, there's a uh, will might be turned down. He's usually my uh, my Asian help. Uh, Sai Fang uh, gathers five other fighters and rallies the local fishermen to fight off a band of Japanese pirates. Now, full disclosure, want to get this out of the way now. I realize this film's a bit propaganda esque. Uh, as a lot of films were at the time, this is post. Well, you know, it's post World War II. A lot of. Hong Kong films had a very nationalistic slant, certainly, and there was obviously a lot of some strong feelings toward the Japanese. Let's put it that way, <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> yes, for good reason. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there's some some serious atrocities that took place. It's not really as well known, probably, as uh, Nazi Germany and what came out of that. But uh, there's some really dark, dark, dark things that happened between Japan and China back yes. in the day. And it goes way back. It goes way, way, way back. Uh, and it's continued. I don't know if it's continued, but it's certainly, it, it reared its ugly head again in the world war two era. There's no doubt about that. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, kind of reared its ugly face a little bit there. Um, but the ancient culture, it's been around for God knows how long. I don't know how long these, two countries have had issues with each other. Um, I'm not a scholar, so I can't sit here and tell you that they get along great now. I can tell you that I've had people that have worked with me who have been from China and people who have worked with me be from Japan, and I've had to separate those people before. So I can't tell you that. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about culture uh, and, and the divides, but uh, yeah, there's been some some jokes that were said from the Chinese side and from the Japanese side that even me as a white person was like, Whoa, hang on now, guys. Whoa, time out. Time out. Uh, we don't need to be saying those kinds of things in the workplace. So, uh, there you go. Let's, uh, that's a personal tab tidbit. I thought you, you guys might get excited that I might have had two swords and, and, uh, you know, might've done some, uh, hanging off of windmills, but unfortunately that is not how exciting my life is. Spiritually, you are always two swords in hand hanging off a windmill. Yeah. I, actually, for the last year of my life, I've definitely felt like I'm hanging off of a windmill. <laughs> Needless to say. Um, so, yeah, this is directed by Jimmy Wang Yu. Stars Jimmy Wang Yu. Uh, has Fei Lung in there as well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say these names like I know who they are. Some of these actors I've seen before. Jack Long, I know who that is. Blackie uh, Sholong Ko, I know who that is. And I think uh, Ma Chin Kyu, uh, the Korean actor, I think I saw him in there. So I know a few people. 
Um, but there's people in here that I'm sure I know, but I don't know on a first name basis. Uh, the one that plays Iron Bull Chow, the Han Say, Hans Hai, Hans Hai. Uh, I, I think he was in Master of Flying Guillotine. I remember that. I remember his face, but I don't know anything else about him. So if you guys got any insight into anybody outside of Jimmy Wang Yu, please don't hesitate I'm to share. Pretty, yeah. Pretty famous face. Uh, I know from Touch of Zen, right? A lot of these guys um, are, are prolific, right? That's where I would know him from. A lot of guys. And also, we got pop ups on pop ups here, man. IMDb, you're doing me dirty. <laughs> uh, uh, Etienne, like you said, I think you mentioned him. Also, a good character actor who worked pretty prolifically through. Uh, through the 70s. Uh, did we mention that this was a Golden Harvest production? I don't think we have, right? No, I don't think we have. I haven't mentioned that yet. Yeah, so a lot of, a lot of familiar faces along the way. Anything you want to add to that, Scott, from a cast perspective? Um, not really. I think Jimmy Wang Yu and I, yeah, there's definitely a lot of familiar faces, but I, I don't know exactly. I think this movie was, uh, um, I think it was a Taiwanese production. Hmm. Um because I know that that Jimmy Wang he did you know I think like when he left Shaw Brothers he he did a lot in Taiwan, and so I'm sure that a lot of the people in the film are like you know in a lot of the Taiwanese productions from that time, um, but yeah, yeah some deep cuts in here right I mean some of these people in these films are in some pretty deep cuts I mean you'd you'd uh, I'd be surprised if you could even come across some of these films even in the the bootleg market. Some of these would be tough to get a hold of. So I'm looking through uh, a Fei Lung's filmography and wondering how many Fei Lung's I've seen. Um, I'm going to say that there's a lot of Fei Lung I have not seen. There's a lot. A lot. He did do some Bruce Lai films. We call him Bruce Lai here. I think he's called Bruce Lee or something like that, but that's what I know him from. And I'm trying to look through and see if I know any of these other films, man. But, man, nothing's really ringing a bell. So the problem has always been that IMDb tends to credit these Hong Kong films or Chinese films or Taiwanese films in their native tongue. And I say that problem. I, I don't mean that to sound. No, no, no. I know, you know what you mean. Yes. Because we, we know we know them as something correct. else. Right. Yeah. Well, correct. And we would know primarily the Western titles. So, it, if, you know, you wanted to have, you know, through sort of your IP address in a certain language, what it's known for in that country, great. But it, it makes it difficult sometimes to navigate because so many of these actors were so prolific. And outside of, like you were saying earlier, Sammy, with your, you know, your lowlies and your guys that were really were absolute superstars in the industry, um, sometimes it's, it's difficult to look and say, oh, yeah, he was this and this because you're looking at um, the Chinese title. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I, I, need, I need the titles that I know, right? Um, the, the only reason why, you know, like, it sounds like I'm like some kind of cinematic genius. Cause I know who Blackie Sholun Kao is, but he worked with, uh, Jackie Chan stuff. And so he was in a lot of films I was able to see. And, uh, you know, yeah. so that's, that's the reason why, you know, a lot of American Kung Fu films or a lot of American wheels on meals, stuff like that. I mean, he's in all that stuff. Usually in the he's background. Got a group. IMDb photo, it should be said. Yeah, yeah. I think he used to race cars or something like that. If I remember, yep. that's his IMDb photo. And yeah, did yep. a lot. Yep. So he did a lot of that stuff. But anyway, let's get into this movie proper. Now, Will and I had never seen this. And uh, believe it or not, even as huge movie lovers as we are, we haven't seen everything. 
So Scott brought this, uh, Will and Scott were talking and Scott brought this to the forefront. And obviously I'm willing to jump on board, especially with anything I haven't seen. And, uh, Scott, is there any reason in particular you picked this film? Let's just get that up. Yeah. That's what I want to know. What was it that compelled you to pick this one? Yeah, I think I, um, I first heard of this film, uh, I got really into Jimmy Wong Yu, uh, when, yeah, I guess it's probably been like, I don't know, 14 or 15 years ago. And I, I, you know, saw, this was like when, um, like Celestial was bringing out like the Shaw Brothers movies to DVD, like when they remastered them all, um, and so I was getting those a lot because I used to do for a really long time. I ran a weekly Kung Fu movie night. And um, so every week we would uh, get together and I'd, I'd pick a film. We'd all watch it. And I, so we, we saw one armed swordsman and um, some of the other ones. And, and I just like started, you know, I was like, well, he's, you know, Jimmy Wang, you, I really like his fighting style because it's so just like rough, you know, he's just like mm-hmm. throwing himself at people. And it's, it's a very different, thing than like jackie chan or you know um like it looks like it hurts you know you're just like this guy's but so you know i was looking through his stuff and the title just caught you know i was just like beach of the war gods that sounds like an incredible title um so i you know found it through uh you know through the internet the magic of uh, torrents and uh was watching it and yeah it was just one of those movies, you know, like every once in a while you see something where you're just, you don't, you have no expectation, you don't know what to expect. And then it just kind of blows you away. Um, and that was this movie to me. And then we watched it, uh, that week at Kung Fu movie night and everyone like just, you know, people are just freaking out. It was, it, it went over huge and it's always been one of those movies that, yeah, like a lot of people haven't heard of. Um, but I, yeah, I, it's so good. And and the recent uh, Eureka Blu-ray release, I was like, you know, now would be a good time to talk about it because I don't think, I don't know of any other time it's been released, really, um, at least in America. Um, yeah, and it's so great. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really good. And uh, so this 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 is what's fun about this, right? And, Will, I don't know if you want to lead on it. If I want to lead on it, obviously we always defer to our guest. If he wants to lead on it. Uh, yeah, of course. Scott wants to, to lead the way, by all means, whatever. Scott, would you want to lead on it or do you want, what do you want to do? I think I'll, I'll defer. Okay. I can, uh, I can if you want then. That's, that's cool. Unless, you, of course, you want to, Sammy. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So, yeah, kudos to Scott. I think you were just saying there, Sammy, before you, you threw it out to Scott to lead the way on. That's the cool thing about our show and our, our friends and our community is uh, you know we've seen a ton of stuff i've seen a ton of hong kong stuff a ton of golden harvest stuff good amount of jimmy Wong Yu st- stuff i'd never even heard of this one um had an epic title you know epic title and i kept hearing you know and i'll be forthright it's 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 apparent in seeing it but i kept hearing you know it was like a seven samurai riff which it very much is um and so I felt like, yeah, let's, this is a great choice. And, you know, one of the things when we do the show is I sometimes try, and I'm, I'm sure uh, Sammy feels the same way, you know, you try to diversify your picks. Like it'd be easy every week to just pick, 
you know, European 70s cop stuff, like Italian stuff or, you know, uh, AIP stuff. But I want to be conscious about picking stuff from other cultures that we love. And Kung Fu films, along with horror, those are the two gateways for me. Those are the two that really uh, established my love of film. Um, And Jimmy Wong Yu is such an important part of that. Uh, And I'm glad, like I was saying earlier, that we're at a point where genre films are being looked at more critically. And when you get a guy like him who wrote, directed, starred in, obviously had a a heavy hand in the creative and technical process, um, it's, it's a joy to see because the way he approached his films, as much as people want to say... This is a riff on Seventh Samurai, which it is. It also feels very indebted to, and yes, we can get to the whole thing of spaghetti westerns being inspired by samurai films, but it feels like a spaghetti western Mm -hmm. a lot to me. It does, yeah. It does. It really does. I mean, to the point that, I mean, I think the first 10 minutes of this, 10 or 15 minutes of this, are straight out of a spaghetti western, and I I love the first 10 or 15 minutes of this thing <laughs> i mean he kills a dude with a chopstick to the head <laughs> from a distance guys i don't know i don't know what chopsticks were made of back in the day but man if they were made of the same material the chopsticks are made of now that'd be impressive because as windy as this town is there's no way that chopstick makes it there no, you got to have some serious flick of the wrist, man. <laughs> it almost sounds like a like a racial slur to say it, but I mean, he kills a guy with a chopstick to the head. It impales his brain. <laughs> it's amazing. It's pretty, that's, yeah, that's not on your bingo card to see every day, right? No, no. But, it, like in a joke movie, maybe. This is completely serious. But that's the thing that, that as Scott was saying earlier, that makes Jimmy Wong you such a unique voice is a lot of times, and this is 73, so we're not like in like 77, 78, when things are getting a little more transgressive and kind of violent. Um, And that's why I've always kind of felt like him and Sonny Chiba were two guys that kind of did things a little differently. Obviously, you know, and I may be wrong here, but Chiba mostly starred in, I don't think he was too involved other than having some say in, in things creatively, but... He never was really behind the camera in the same way that uh, I, Jimmy was. Yeah, but not, not these, the same way, but I think he was involved a little bit, but I don't think the same way Jimmy was. No, and I, but I think both of them kind of represent uh, this kind of down and dirty. There's a, you know, it's like you almost go from like Fred Astaire and these two are like Gene Kelly's where there's a physicality, there's a brutality to what they're doing on screen. There's blood and there's there's dirt and there's chopsticks through the brain and... <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah so i think when i when we did chinese boxer one of the things i remember thinking was uh you know jimmy wang Yu's kind of synonymous with the violent uh the violent uh martial arts film blood spurting kind of that era with the uh you know kind of they they, they did that then they went away from it for a while and then Jap- japan kind of came back with the Kind of yeah, the the kind of heavy violence and the blood squirting everywhere, but China was kind of doing that before uh, in their films, and it's in this one as well. I know the resolution wasn't super great, but in the copy I watched, but the 
the, the there is squirting blood in this. And I remember that in Chinese boxers. Well, right. I mean, those films are, they're violent, they're violent movies and they, you know, they really grab your attention. And, uh, that's one of the things, honestly, I mean, it has to be violent. Some, there's so much swordplay that, you know, if there's not blood and violence, I don't, I don't know how you sell that otherwise, but you know, they did clean up a lot of that type of cinema eventually. And, uh, you know, you'd have sword play without violent with, you know, just people hitting people with swords, no blood, no, nothing like, yeah. So, but this was back in the era when they were still, you know, 73, they were still squirting blood everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I noticed, uh, this time watching it. So yeah, he like, uh, Jimmy Wong, you comes to this small town and that first fight that he gets in with the, uh, the Japanese soldiers, um, I guess the the samurai is like, you know, it's like they're they're killing a bunch of the Chinese. He uh, he throws his chopstick. He kind of announces his presence, you know, and uh, and it's like that whole fight sequence. You know, he kind of enters the picture with the chopstick, and then it ends with him throwing a sword at a guy. Yeah, yeah. And I I thought that was really interesting. It's like yeah. like all the fight scenes in this are really. Uh, they're like staged very well or like paced. There's a, there's a uh, ramping up of, you know, like they all have the thing where they'll start. And then at a certain point, things start to get bloody. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I thought this first fight scene was so great. Cause, uh, yeah, you just don't know anything about him. I mean, it's classic, you know, classic spaghetti Western too. Yeah. Um, and he just like, yeah, it's amazing. I, I mean, this is, Another reminder to me that, you know, chances are Jimmy Wang, you being a movie star, there's chances that he got to go to film festivals and things like that. And he had to have seen uh, Leone films and, and things like that. Right. He had to have seen these things because there's no way that two different cultures can kind of come up with. I mean, maybe there is a way. Maybe it's just ingrained in us as humans. But I yeah. mean, the feel of. Leone and other uh, derivatives of Leone in the beginning of this film, it's right there. It's right there from the beginning. The wind blowing, the lone man, the 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 almost uh, dilapidated town, the town living in fear. You know, it's it's you know maybe it's just maybe it's just his riff on Kurosawa, which again Leone was riffing on Kurosawa, but. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it, you know, I feel like when you saw some Italian cinema, I feel like that's the case. Cause I mean, I'm not, yeah, it, when Will brings yeah, it up, I'm sure I, when Will brings it up, I mean, I, I can't say enough that the first 10 minutes of this film feels so Italian in nature <laughs> that yeah. I, I, I was kind of blown away. Like I was kind of just like, wow, this is, this is more Italian than the last Italian film we did, which was identical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the wild thing is like it it's even even beyond sort of its spirit, the way it's shot feels Italian. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times when we get these and this is a Golden Harvest production, but you know, we're accustomed to from the time a lot of the Wuxia films, Shaw Brothers, they're kind of shot like medium or in close. There's this really like a long shot to open it. And it's really un- visually unlike a lot of Hong Kong films at the time and even the way it's edited and kind of those, it's almost got that like Leone-esque exchanges early on when he comes into town, right? Like the reaction shots or the faces of 
our protagonist or the the people in the scene, right? right and even right, right. you know what else is cool about this film? Because I don't want to just make it seem like we're talking about how much it's like a spaghetti western. Is there's even like juice harp flourishes throughout the score <laughs> of this film? Yes, yes. Which I I, I had to go back. I had, when I first heard it, I had to rewind because I was like, "Is that a juice harp? Is that is that what that is?" And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, cool. and I was like, "Wow." That that yeah. was a bit of a mind blower. Yeah. So that's that's uh, that was the thing, and then that opening too. It's that smart thing where we're building the mythology of Jimmy Mungyu's character. The dude can kill a guy from a hundred yards with a chopstick. Yes, we're in good hands. We're in very good hands. The Japanese are fucked, but he, but we as the viewer are in good hands with him. The villagers are in good hands. So. You know, I love that. I love that kind of mythology building, which he, he's always understood as a filmmaker and a storyteller. Um, and I love, uh, I just, I love the violence of this. And I love, you know, all of us love Men on a Mission film. And I think one of the smart things that, that Jimmy does in this is there's, I remember there was a stretch where I was watching this film, probably about halfway in. And one of my notes is, Where's Jimmy? Yeah. Because he disappears for a good stretch. He allows the other characters yeah. to really stretch their legs and establish themselves. And I know some people are going to say this is devoid of character. But like, listen, man, this is a wild action film. Whatever you want to say. Martial arts film, wuxia, whatever you want to call it, it's that. It's not trying to be anything more than that. It's a period piece with incredible action sequences. And, you know, the fact that he gives these guys the opportunity to kind of stretch their legs and we get to know them, like Yi Tian's character, um, uh, Leng Ping, he's awesome because he's kind of like, he's kind of like, um, man, where's my note? He's got this bandolier of knives. Yeah. <laughs> and he's kind of like, you know what? He's, he's got this sneer and this kind of like swagger, like Shonuff. But he's got like this Danny Trejo kind of look to him with this bandolier with knives and, you know, it's just the way he's so casual and cool about whipping knives. There's so much knife throwing in this, which <laughs> yes. is a hallmark of the GGTMC. And it's like we're at the knife throwing buffet with this film. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot. There's, we haven't had that in a while. No, there's a lot of people actually. Uh, I I got some vibes like, you know. I got some vibes from this film, like, uh, like Desperado too. Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Danny Trejo's kind of knife throwing character. There's a character in this that has the knives. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Man. Yeah. And I just, you yeah, know, I, I love, I love the kind of genre elements that Wang Yu mixes in here. Right. Etienne character. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like he's super cool. He's a super memorable character. As much as people want to talk about Jimmy having an ego and being difficult, he understood the craft of filmmaking and he understood, you know, he set the table for like the Iron Bull Chow character, the Leng Ping, like the knife throwing character. Hashimoto's given a great kind of heel, like he's got a great kind of heavy presence. He understands that we got to have stakes. And if we're going to do a film like this, we're not going to have three hours like Kurosawa did to flesh out our characters as much. But we're going to give you these quick kind of visual references with these cool kills in an action film that are going to endear them to you as the viewer. Right. Right. Yeah. I, um, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, no, it's great. And you know, another thing I like too is 
I like how this film makes good use of I, I don't think this is a big budget film, but again, the dollar is stretched really well. Um like the film goes from night to day, day to night, a lot of flames, a lot of production value from kind of flames and all the extras holding flames. It uh, it just it looks really, really good. Uh, and I like how he's really smart because you're going to have like three, four hundred dudes fighting. I like how he gives us color. He's very sly about it. He gives us color coding for the two sides and kind of the people that hold weight on the two sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're watching like 15 dudes brawl on screen. We know who we're pulling for because of this visual cue. But he gives them almost like an army look, like a, like a uniform look, right? Which right. I think is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that I thought that the Japanese dudes were wearing half shirts <laughs> when in fact it was just like some sort of protective armor plate on their stomachs. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> these guys all have half shirts. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, they get those drummers with these cool masks. I was like, this is so GGTMC, man. Masks, knife throwing half shirts. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Production's great. Um, we get mass net confoundment, which immediately leads to wooden spikes through several people. Oh yeah, which is very cool. Um, uh, how about this? We talked about Jimmy and kind of the violence and this, this knack he has for kind of down and dirty, but even kind of the creative violence he puts, like he has those boiling oil vats that, that get dumped on guys. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's really great, man. It's really, really great. Um, it's important, it's important to have those. They, they, I'll tell you though. That scene, okay, so there's a moment, there's some really great shots in this film, right? Like uh, the scenes of like fire in the distance on the beach are amazing. And, oh, they're so good. And there's a lot of great like choreography here because he's using hundreds of extras. So, you know, at any given time, there's a battle going on and usually I'd say maybe 30, 40, maybe even 50 people fighting at once. And yeah. all that stuff's working really well. And then they decide they're going to fight at night. And I found that kind of interesting that they decided to go that route. But then they, you know, they kind of, they kind of go day for night because they, they can't shoot at night and actually see the fighting. So I was kind of confused because they went into the town and I thought it was day for night when they first went in there with the boiling oil and everything. And then they eventually get to a point where they're walking down like a main street area. And I got to say, it must have still been, even though it clearly looked like day, it might have still been day for night in some regard, and maybe I lost track of the narrative. But um, I got to say, and, and again, this is ancient China, so maybe you're not looking up. Maybe you're always looking down because nobody thinks anybody's going to be on the roof. But if I'm walking down a main street and I look up and see hundreds of men in white outfits on top of roofs, I got to think something's up. Uh, you know, <laughs> and they just they just walk right into it. <laughs> yeah. That's such a great trap because, yeah, it's like – it's it's funny to think because it's like they're fighting on I guess like two village blocks and it's like there's a lot of stuff happening on one block and then one block is just totally empty, you know? And like the people walk and they, they, there's like a coffin mm-hmm. in the middle of the street just yeah. like by itself and the Japanese are slowly approaching this coffin and oh man, it's like – 
there's definitely like a a funny overstep with Jimmy Wong Yi where it's like it's just you just accept it. Like this coffin is so mysterious that they are just gonna look at that and they will they won't look up. They won't see like the people that are just waiting. I mean like you know, one floor up, or you know, it's not that high. Oh, I know. <laughs> it, it that to me, you know what I wondered because we're talking about all the spaghetti nods. That I was wondering, like, is this a nod to Django, or am I just reading too much into it? Oh, I thought that too. I, I wasn't sure, and I, I definitely uh, thought that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be. It could, could be. be right. I mean, it it definitely is in the equation. I mean, anytime I see a coffin sitting in the middle of a deserted street, Django is usually the first thing I think of. <laughs> it's Django, man. Hey, I got to say this, and. I got to get this off my chest. I got to get two things with a knife thrower off my chest. All right. He's awesome. You got to get your knife. You got to get your knives off your chest. You got to get that (laughs) knife off my chest. Did you guys like, I don't know if this is just because I don't know what it is, but did you notice like when he was washing his hands, he looked like the Crisco fister from cruising. (laughs) Did you see that scene? (laughs) Yeah. It it looks also on the Uh, Blu-ray. It's, it's really clear. Oh my God. (laughs) He's like the Crisco Fister man, <laughs> totally from cruising. Like that scene. Oh boy! I couldn't help but think Friedkin. I wonder if Friedkin got that shot from this. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. I, I hope so. Yeah. Hong Kong I hope so as well. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I hope that was the through line. And can we talk for a minute about, despite how cool it is, the impracticalities of knife retrieval. <laughs> During a mass slaughter. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right. So you, we, we, we have to think about, yeah, the lot, we got to think about the logistics of this a little bit. So you go into a battle and you have a bunch of little knives. Once you've, you know, expunged your knife inventory, what do you do? Do you have to, you have to go get your weapons? Do you have to reload? <laughs> I thought about that too, because he kind of, especially in, yeah, in the big final fight or the, the fight, he, he kind of just like hops in, throws his knives and then pieces out like, yeah. And he does it a few times. So maybe he's just like got a big pile of knives and he's like, you know, my, my clothes, like I only have, I can only carry like this many knives. So I'll like, you know, throw <laughs> them and I'll just run. I'll, I'll re up. I'll come back. You know, does he have it's, like a blacksmith working around the clock yeah. in the village? <laughs> Like that was in his rider, right? Oh, oh yeah, knife thrower, I mean, knife maker. Who's gonna be my blacksmith? That's that's yeah. his first question. Who's gonna be my blacksmith? Um, <laughs> I, there's some really great shots too. I love like the shots around the wagon wheel with Jimmy, and it just, yeah. I, I just, I'm really glad you picked this film because it really illuminates to me, and I'm gonna like champion Jimmy more as a filmmaker because yeah, he gets. Everyone in this film to commit to like a solid death dance when they get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once half-assed in their death dance, Jimmy leaves. He just dips for a while. Let's everyone else have their shine. The fight's epic, and the fight we know is epic because it goes from day, you know, to night to day to night. Like it's like it spans time, right? And the way it's edited together, it feels really cool and. You know, he uses some slow-mo in this. I guess like a really great use of slow-mo during a fight where there's like nine guys on screen and dudes are getting slashed and it feels really epic. And then the end feels very like the, the showdown at the end has that spaghetti feel. Yeah, it right? does. It does very. as well. And yeah. 
Oh, it's so spaghetti. It's even got that badass line when the Japanese uh, Hashimoto goes, he says about, you know, we'll go with this. And if we lose, I'll withdraw my men. Yes. And Jimmy says, withdraw. None of you are leaving here with your life. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Just, yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. So good. But those are all my notes. I could kind of geek out over this one. I want to give you guys a chance to kind of stretch your legs, but yeah. super fun. The joy of doing this show is discovering stuff that I'm going to go back down the Jimmy rabbit hole because of Scott, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, this is kind of an eye opener as to what kind of filmmaker, a reminder of how, you know, Wang Yu was, you know, he, he really was, he's really kind of an underappreciated kind of badass cinema director. Uh, and when I say badass cinema, I mean, kind of the, you know, the lone hero, the kind of, the guy that kind of comes in and and wreaks havoc or can just cause all kinds of stuff. You know, the Toshiro Mifune or the, you know, the Charles Bronson, for lack of a better word. You, know, you can say Charles Bronson around this time because in 73, Bronson's wreaking havoc as well. So I really like that. And I, 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 I enjoyed the setup to this quite well. I love that Jimmy Wang Yu does kind of take himself out of the film for a little while. Like, that's an interesting touch. Um, so you can tell that he really, for me, you can kind of tell that he really wanted just to make this film because he could put himself in every scene if he wanted to, but mm-hmm. it's like he wanted to stay out for a while. And there's some seriously long battle scenes here. I mean, there's some long ones, man. Uh, some scenes that just go on and on and on forever. Um, and not in a bad way, in that way that you kind of want battle scenes to go on. They're entertaining. There's all kinds of stuff happening in the background. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And I really, I really had a good time with this movie. Matter of fact, I liked it so much that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm looking to get, get a hold of the Blu-ray because it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I didn't know that this film was this good. If I'd have known, I would have gotten it a long time ago. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, uh, this is one of those ones that kind of eluded me forever. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a situation of shame on me. I should have. I should have been uh I should have been on my game a little bit, but clearly I was not. And uh man, he he's so good in this movie. Even though I'm not sure if the beard is real. I'm kinda kinda I'm kind of at I'm kinda torn on the Jimmy Wang U beard. Oh, I had a note about that. It's um <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not. You know, it definitely has and it's I guess similar to One Armed Swordsman where it's like that kind of painted on five o'clock shadow type thing. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And I, I thought it was so funny watching it this time that, like, the first time you see him, you know, like, under his, his cool hat, you see the you see the painted on. And it, you can tell in the Blu-ray, you know, it's like, you know, he painted it on. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and, and the very first shot of him is him, like, wiping his mouth. And it's like, you know, whatever he painted it on with, it doesn't he doesn't smudge it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like a commitment to the painted on five o'clock shadow. Definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, he looks good in the film, though, overall. I mean, that looks a little ridiculous, but for the most part, he looks good in the movie. And I appreciated the action cinematography, the visuals. I thought the beach would play more of a role. It kind of It's kind of there and then gone and there and then gone. I mean, obviously, they're on a coastline, but I thought there'd be more battles on the beach itself. But the battles are mostly in the town near the beach. That's the geography we're kind of taught. And, but I still liked that quite a bit. I still liked everything that it was, you know, trying to pull off. 
uh, I think it does, does a really good job of um, of telling its story through action, and it's a very simple story. There's, it's a, and we should also say it's a very male story. There's very little, if any, females in the film. Is there any? I don't. I don't think so. That's yeah. one thing. Yeah, there's definitely none. If this is, yeah, I don't think there's any females in the story. So I think it's a full on, you know, testosterone fest. And there's hair, watch the bullshit in all its glory. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to kind of get back to it, it, you know, it starts with a single guy against many and kind of ends with a single guy against single guy. And that's also a nice touch because it, it gives, it, it builds up Wang Yu and it builds up the baddie. And then, you know, they go at it and it's a good, it's a good fight. It's a real good fight. I've never seen anybody. I don't think I've ever seen anybody in cinema hang off a windmill. Maybe I have. Certainly not as a strategic uh, move. I've never seen that. Um, I've maybe seen dead bodies hanging off of windmills, but I don't think I've ever seen somebody say, you know what, I'm going to grab this windmill and I'm going <laughs> to go around and cause <laughs> cause uh, chaos. I, I, yeah, I, just, I think I was thinking about that. It's like, and this is maybe the first movie, so it definitely, you know, confoundment by net, but it also has <laughs> confoundment by windmill. It yes, it does. Because like he jumps on there, and the the other guy doesn't know what to do for a while. He he's <laughs> he's really confused. Yeah, it's very confusing. Um, I really like this film. I'm I'm glad that we covered it. I mean, this is this is easily going to go into my favorites pile as far as uh, definitely as far as these swordplay martial arts films go. I mean, this is a really really solid one. And uh, a lot of fun, a lot of genre elements, a lot of blood. Just a, a romp to watch. Just a fun action movie, right? So, yeah, I, I can't recommend this one enough. Scott, I'll let you talk about it a little bit. Cool. Yeah, I've got a few notes. I'm I'm so glad you guys uh, you guys like it. It's it's definitely one of the films. There's a, there's a few that I I you know like everyone we always see a movie that no one else has seen, and you're just like you want to show everyone like. You know, this is so good. Um, and I'm really glad this one got a release. I've, I've just got a few other notes. Um, one of the funny things I thought interesting is, and this is probably because of the budget, but the the Japanese soldiers, like the the bald cap, like samurai, it's like yeah. – it's like they have the shaved samurai head, but it's like and, – and again, this is in the Blu-ray really apparent, but – it's like gray, like I guess where the the area where they're they're supposed to have like a shaved head and then the samurai like the top knot, it's like gray. So I wonder if that's just like a I don't I don't know. It's really interesting because if you as you watch the movie, it kind of progresses till the end. It's like they're they're wearing hats or something, but the hat is like a bald um, cut with like a uh, uh, I guess like a handkerchief around their their head. Um, but so I was like, is that, it's like, it really hammers, hammers home that, you know, we don't like the Japanese, you know, like <laughs> there's definitely that vibe throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I thought, the, the English dub, I mean, they're constantly calling them Japs, which is, oh yeah, that's, <laughs> it's so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it I, mean, really they, is. I mean, if you was to be in another room and you were hearing me watch this, all you would hear is. Japs, 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 these damn dirty Japs. I mean, it's, it's like every other sentence is Japs. Yeah. It's definitely like paints with a broad, broad brush. (laughs) Definitely. definitely. 
But I, yeah, like the depth of field in the shots. I mean, every like, there's so many shots that have like layers of things happening. There'll be something in the front. Like I, I remember there's a fight early on where like in the middle of fighting this like window shade drops in front of a oh, guy. Uh, and it's just like, um, and the other thing too is like with so many people fighting, I definitely watching at this time I was looking and there's not like everyone's fighting. There's just like, there's no extras that are just standing around pretending, you know, like that, mm-hmm, that can mm-hmm. happen sometimes in yeah. Shaw brothers films. Everyone is, uh, is going at it. And like, like you were saying, the color coding really helps because like the, um, the people in front, you can, you can always tell, uh, what's going on, like who's fighting who you can, you can tell pretty well the geography too. Um, but yeah, it's like, let's see what else, what else I've got here. Um, the, um, the knife, knife throwing guy, like his, (laughs) his very first, when they meet him in that restaurant and he just like, completely empties the restaurant while Wang Yu is just hanging out with his friend, you know? Um, I loved how as soon as he, um, you know, he's like, I I can't, you know, I can't help you because I only kill for money. And like, as soon as he tells him that he just like jumps out the window. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, it's so fast. They're just like, Whoa, you know, like what happened? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he, he does that a lot throughout the film where, yeah, he's constantly like, he's the guy that with the super, I don't know. I, I definitely got like overall kind of a superhero vibe too with, with some of these characters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with, especially with, um, with Wang Yu, the very, like when he throws that sword after the first fight, I mean, it is the guy's running away. He throws a sword and the sword picks the guy up and, and like carries him across to this, uh, where he's pinned against this wall. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, and yeah, just the pacing of all the fights is so well done. Like, there's always like I thought it, it's it's really cool. You know, all, every all the Chinese soldiers are wearing white, and then there's periodically throughout the fights, there's um, they start to get bloody, and that just like it shows up really well on white, and it just looks really cool how they play with that. And I just remember one of the things that that attracted me to the film the first time I saw it was it's. Like the fighting starts in the second half of the film and it just it basically that's the rest of the movie is this giant fight. And I remember watching it and I kept waiting for that to end. And then it was like instead of ending, it like keeps going and it keeps one upping itself to a point where you're just like, yeah, the same. I was just like, why haven't I heard of this movie? You know, this is amazing. And it's yeah, there's just so many great ideas Um and the, the traps are really cool. So, yeah, I, I'm just really glad you guys liked it and um, really glad I could bring it to the show. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's – it's. I mean, this is a classic. Wouldn't you agree, Will? I mean, this is like yeah, – Absolutely. I think anyone who <laughs> listens to our show and hasn't seen it does should absolutely check it out. Yeah. Because it's, it's got it, a lot it, of elements that, that you know, you will love. Yeah, it's interesting that it eluded us for so long. I mean, it's interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, cool, it'll like that too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens. It, 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 it can happen to any of us. I think the availability of it for the longest time probably hurt it. But I know there's a lot of people in America, from what I can research and everything else, there's a lot of American people that grew up saying it was one of their favorites. So they must have got a hold of it, uh, recording it off TV or something, maybe. 
probably showed on yeah probably showed on tv somehow or something they just fell in love with it but yeah definitely check it out let's get make or breaks mvts will what do you got uh make or break it's a a bit of a cheat but no i'm gonna change it just just to be a bit different i was gonna say the finale right because if that like and that last fight's like 45 minutes or something crazy so if that flops the film is an absolute mess but i'm gonna go with that opening 10 minutes yeah, because it just reminded me that we're in really good hands with a filmmaker who pulls from a lot of really interesting sources, whether it's Kurosawa, Leone, Corbucci, potentially, um, and who potentially um, inspired William Friedkin. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> the Pickle Brothers, know, the Pickle just, Brothers was inspired by this film, I think. Yeah, sure was man. <laughs> was so i uh i just i was like yeah you know what we're in good hands man this is gonna be good it's gonna be this is gonna be something so it just kind of eased me in and it, it sets it up to be this really cool film uh, mvt I, I feel like you know i want to go with a lot of different things go outside the box with the scope or the choreography or something or but i would go with jimmy i mean i think it's for me at least it's doing a disservice to not give it to jimmy because jimmy wrote starred directed and i know we you know, we, you know, I could say give it to Yitian. He's really cool as the knife thrower or all the extras, the people that worked hard. I, and everyone deserves their flowers. But but Jimmy's the guy at the front that if this flops, it's on him. If mm-hmm. it shines, it's on him. Yeah. 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 Him. And my score for this one's a 7.75 out of 10. I think this is just, it's awesome. And I, I really want to look into buying this Eureka Blu-ray as well. Um, and kudos to Scott for dropping it on us, man. Like this one's uh, wow! Everyone's got to check it out, man. It's, it's real, it's real super fun. Yeah, real deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with most of what you said. I mean, I'm going to go make or break scenes. The opening, I had written down the opening or the ending because either way, and there's a lot of good stuff in between. So don't think we're shortchanging that. But you know, a lot of times when you watch a film, you're kind of caught up in it. If you see it from the beginning, you're either kind of caught up in it and you can't look away. Or you can't wait to get to the climax. So they're very important parts of any kind of cinematic narrative. And this one hooks you. This one, I think, once it gets its claws in you, it's got you. And I think the opening is, yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, MVT, I'm going to go with Jimmy Wang Yu. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to go with anything else. I mean, I guess I could go with uh, the windmill. <laughs> <laughs> or something ridiculous the uh you know the white guy white suits on uh, on the roof nobody can see but uh no when you he's all over this thing so I, I love it i'm just a little bit higher than you i'm a straight eight out of ten i mean i think this film's amazing yeah yeah, yeah it's an eight let yeah. me back it's an eight man yeah. it's just craftsmanship quality does it all yeah i need to I'm see a eight. better copy of it no doubt so i need that blu-ray but i i you know for all intents and purposes this is a this is as good a martial arts film as you're going to run across. So yeah, I'll kick it over, to Scott. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm really glad you guys dig it. Um, I'm, so I'm going to say, um, yeah, MVT Wang Yu definitely like Jimmy Wang Yu just kills it. Um, and for my make or break, um, that it's kind of the intro, but that sword throw at the end of the first fight. <laughs> Cause I feel like that's like the time where you're like, there's definitely like a magical realism type thing to some of these fights. I mean, Jimmy Wong, you, he's so good at that. Like where you throw something in where you're just like, 
it just makes you smile, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah. that's my, that's my make or break. And then my score for this is 8.5. Nice. Um, nice. Pretty cool. Pretty close. I yeah, I just love this film and watching it again uh, for the show. I hadn't seen it in a while, and I was really uh, you know hoping it would hold up. Um, and it definitely does. I mean, it, and it, the the new Blu-ray from Eureka looks great. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. Nice, great, good pick, solid pick. Hey, honestly, it's one of my favorite watches of this year. To be honest with you, it's one of my favorite first time watches, no doubt. Dang. That's great to hear. Yeah. Oh, this is yeah, this is definitely going to be on the list of first time watches list, man. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 that good. Scott and Jimmy came correct. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, we want to thank everybody for listening again. Uh, you can kind of go back to the beginning and hear all of Scott's info. But Scott, if you just want to give them a kind of quick rundown as to where they can find you. Yeah, yeah. So you can find me. Um, my Bandcamp is scottburton.bandcamp.com. Uh, I've also got stblibrary.bandcamp.com, and that's the one that has the music I've been doing for uh, Eurocrime Blu-rays. Um, I've got my Instagram, which is uh, Scott Burton Music, and through that I do um, – my main thing uh, besides playing music is actually teaching. I teach guitar, so if you ever want guitar lessons um, – you can contact me through the Instagram page or any of the other pages, but the Instagram one has a really easy way to do it. Um, yeah. You know, I'll teach you to shred. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We want to thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Long time coming. Please know that as we often say, the door is always open and uh, yes. you're more than welcome to come back anytime you want to. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, there's there's a few films, you know. I'll I'll see what I can come up with, but there's a few great ones I don't think you guys have covered yet. Yeah, yeah. So so buddy, let's do it. Let's do it. You you want to come back January. Say here it is, man. I'm dropping your laps. Well, let's I mean, do it. not only that. I mean, I always tell people even if you hear what we're going to be covering and you're interested, yeah, yeah. just reach out to us. Jump, man. Yeah, Get we're, in. We're we're pretty much an open door policy. At all yeah. times, you just gotta, you kind of gotta work to our weird schedule. But other than that, yes, it's pretty easy to be on the show. Um, right, man. I'll say check out Not a Bomb, uh, watch Skip Plus. They're going on hiatus for a little while, but definitely check out their back catalog. Uh, see here podcast, love this album or love that album. Um, Chin Short Mary versus Cl- Punter, Mary Clickers, Night of the Living Podcast, Where's the Podcast? The po- <laughs> man, so many podcasts, but all worth a listen. They'll all get you through the week. They'll all get you through what you're going through, good or bad. And uh, they're there for that purpose. So definitely check them out. Um, I don't have anything else. Next week we'll be back with coverage of Prey of the Jaguar. Uh, Will selected it. Uh, I kind of <laughs> stole Will's thunder by just saying what he was getting ready to select, but I didn't Stay think okay. of that. <laughs> but that's Will's selection, so that's what we're doing. Our first David Decatu film on our on our show. Uh you know, directed. David a superhero film. Yeah, yeah. So we're we'll be talking about that next week. So check that out. Um, I think that's it. I will say adios. Say adios, guys. Adios, <laughs> adios. <laughs> we always get people on that. I don't know why. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com, and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. Thank you.